Let's agree together in prayer. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we do thank you because the entrance of your word giveth light to our hearts and to our minds. Thank you for the truth of salvation and redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus. We thank you because as we study your word today, we trust that our minds and our hearts will be greatly enriched by the riches of your grace that you have given to us in the sacrifice of your son and in his resurrection, which is also our resurrection. And we trust and believe that we will be greatly edified and your name will be greatly glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. Praise God. So we'll be continuing uh, in our series, The Gospel Revealed in Galatians. The Gospel Revealed in Galatians. And uh, in the last session, we spoke about uh, Paul, uh, also called Saul. Same, same. Saul in the Hebrew and Paul um, was his, I believe, his Roman name or his Greek name. And, uh, you know, we spoke about Paul's previous life, <laughs> you know, or Paul's former conversation as, uh, you know, the, the radical uh, Judaist, uh, if I'm to use that terminology. Uh, you know, Paul, Paul would be what we would call a, a religious terrorist of his day. Um, you know, and we, we, <clears throat> we looked extensively at you know how he basically persecuted to the uh, persecuted the church relentlessly um you know from jerusalem all the way to damascus and you know looking for every opportunity to um to bring down the the the, the work of the gospel or the christian faith that was spreading across the region uh, so it's it's i know it might be hard for us to see you know but paul made um, many women widows you know um paul made many children orphans um you know as a result of of his um you know of his his hatred for christianity and uh, fortunately if we were today you would you would have found many churches praying for his death you will have found many churches praying for his destruction, uh, you know, and all of those things like that. Uh, but but thank God for men like Stephen. And we looked at that last week, you know, the, the prayers of Stephen for for the men of which Paul was a part of, you know, who, who basically stoned him, him to death, you know, uh, and, and praying for the father to to forgive them in essence, you know, and to not lay down, you know, and to not allow the, the charge or the offense of what they did to come upon them. Um, so in essence, just praying for their deliverance, you know, uh, praying for their deliverance. And, you know, we do find, I believe in the following chapter, you know, that that was when Paul had that encounter, you know, with the Lord. On the road to Damascus. So, you know, and, and that is someone we can learn from. Uh, we can learn a lot from people like Stephen, 
that in the face of persecution, uh, rather than praying for the destruction of those who persecute us, we pray for their salvation instead. We pray for their deliverance instead. And I mean, <laughs> isn't it amazing to see how much Paul contributed to the kingdom? Uh, and we see how much more usefulness it was to God that Paul was saved than him uh, not being saved and perishing in his unbelief. So we therefore find that there is much more benefit to the kingdom when men who were previously known or who are known to be the, the most vile or the most evil of men, it is much more profitable to the kingdom that they be saved than for them to be destroyed or lost as a result of their unbelief. It is of much more profit to the kingdom, it is of much more usefulness to the kingdom. And if, if men like Stephen did not pray and intercede for Paul, uh, who knows, who knows, we, we may not have what we call the, <clears throat> you know, we may not have the large portion of the New Testament that we have today, of which um, most, uh, you know, of the, of the writings or the epistles are all attributed to Paul. Uh, and who knows, maybe the Gentile nations, and the whole of Asia Minor may not have heard the gospel, you know, um, if if Stephen did not pray for Paul's, you know, Paul's salvation. You know, we also saw the 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 example of men like Ananias, right? Who 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 was willing to to commune with with the Lord Jesus and to um, you know allow himself to be used in such a tough circumstance, right? Uh, imagine, <laughs> you know, being led uh, by the Lord Jesus to go to a man who is known for killing and terrorizing believers, you know, and praying for him, <clears throat> you know, and then now seeing Ananias' disposition when he went to Paul, you know, and guess what he called him? He said, brother, 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 you know, that, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, in essence, Ananias literally just threw away whatever bias or whatever opinions he may have had of, of Paul before he believed the gospel, right? And began to address him in the way he ought to be addressed as one who is now of the same womb. You know, the word brother there means to be of the same womb. We ask, what womb? The womb of the resurrection, right? So meaning we share the same source of life. Yeah, we now share the same life. We now live by the same life. Yeah, and 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 uh, Ananias immediately, immediately um, gives Paul that regard. You know, um, you know, after after hearing of his of his salvation, not not many men, not many men can do that. Not many people can do that. You know, <laughs> some might even dismiss such an encounter to be just a wild dream. Uh, no, there's no way God is sending me to such a man. And, you know, and who knows, there may not have been anyone to strengthen um, Paul at that time, you know, of his encounter where he really needed strengthening. But once again, thank God for men like Ananias who are ever ready, you know, to yield themselves to God's plan or to God's will, irrespective of um, whatever feeling or biases you know, they might have. <clears throat> but so, you might ask, well, well, how did we go about um, speaking of, um, you know, Paul's past life 
and how does that relate to Galatians chapter 1. So let's just go to Galatians chapter 1 and we're going to read the verse uh, the verse 11 again. Read the verse 11 to verse 17 just for the purpose of context and then we will go emphasis into the verse for today which will be the verse 15 to the verse 16 and uh, you know we'll see how far we will go so wherever you are wherever you're listening from um, it will be awesome if you have your bible with you you know your pen ready to take some notes down so that you can go back to it or if possible and listen again to this session or to this podcast so galatians chapter 1 from verse 11 to 17 it says but i make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man so it, it's not according to man's idea it's not uh, according to man's invention yeah but the verse 12 it says for i neither received it from man okay nor was i taught but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the gospel which we preach is by the what? The revelation, okay, or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So the content, the core, you know, what's the, the gospel, the good news that we preach to men is all about, concerns, surrounds the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean, Jesus Christ? You know, and I think I mentioned this in previous sessions. Now, when we speak of the revelation of Jesus Christ, we're not just talking about, um, you know, God just being in the flesh, healing the sick, raising the dead, and all of that stuff. You know, but we are being particular to to speak concerning the death and the resurrection of Jesus, um, because it was by that means that God saves. Right. Or it is by that means that God saved us. Okay, um, Our salvation is seen in the death and even much more in the resurrection of Jesus. Again, I'm just reiterating things that I've said in the previous sessions. Um, you know, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for example, where Paul gives us a, a, just a detailed summary of what the gospel is all about. So when he says that the gospel <clears throat> he, was, he, he preached, right, came or was through the revelation of Jesus Christ, he therefore tells us that that is what the parameters of the gospel are. Anything outside the unveiling of Jesus, and what does Jesus mean? You know, Jesus means God is salvation or God saves. So anything outside the parameters of God's salvation or God saving us through the sacrifice of his son and the resurrection of and his resurrection from the dead we do not take it okay the parameters of the good news yeah the parameters of the gospel that has been entrusted to our care to communicate to men to communicate to the world must not go beyond the bounds or the boundary of the revelation of Jesus or the revelation of the God who saves or the revelation of God who is salvation through the sacrifice of his son and his resurrection. Very important. 
<clears throat> all right very important and then verse 13 it says for you have heard of my former conduct in what in judaism how i persecuted the church of god beyond measure and tried to destroy it so paul <laughs> that's why i said he he, he really is a, a a religious terrorist or what we would term a religious terrorist of today yeah paul did not relent i mean again if you have time you can read all of these stories and acts and you know in other places where he mentions um where he he uh, mentions it as well okay so he says um for you have heard of my former conduct or you have heard of my former lifestyle you know how i was how i persecuted the church how i persecuted the church um of god beyond measure and tried to destroy it and i advanced in judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the world for the traditions of my fathers so what will we call judaism Judaism can also be called the tradition of his fathers. So, and, and, and you know, it's so funny, it's so interesting. Because even the scriptures that were used in Judaism is what we call the Old Testament today. That's Genesis to Malachi. So, out of Genesis to Malachi, rather than teaching or preaching the revelation of Jesus, what was being preached were what the traditions of their fathers or the traditions of men and that and that is uh, scary actually and you know it's so funny because the, that is the exact same thing that is actually going on today where men or people go into the scriptures and rather than teaching the revelation of jesus christ or rather than unveiling god's salvation right which would be through the sacrifice of himself okay and the resurrection of, of the dead rather than preaching or teaching that they teach traditions they preach traditions right and that is not christianity that is not christianity in this context here paul called it judaism so what would be an example of those traditions you need to be circumcised before you're saved. What would be an example of the traditions? Uh, maybe you need to be you need to be baptized before you're saved. What's an example of the tradition? You need to give before God blesses you. Or you need to do this or not do this, or you need to do that or not do that before you experience God's God's favor. That is an example of a tradition of the fathers which is totally contrary from the purpose of the scriptures which is for the what for the revelation or the unveiling of jesus christ so it is, is it possible for you to to know the scriptures left and right for you to quote it for you to shout it for you to to um, memorize it yes and in doing that if you do not seek to unveil jesus christ in it or to unveil god's salvation in it 
yeah then what you end up seeing or what you end up even teaching is the traditions of men and that's the danger that's the danger in it that's the, see that this thing i'm saying is very critical right it's very critical because that was one of the i wouldn't even say walls i'll say that is even still to till this day the same battle the same warfare that is going on with the scriptures where men take it and rather than revealing jesus rather than unveiling christ to men rather than unveiling the work of redemption rather than unveiling the work of salvation men choose to teach traditions for the purpose of controlling others or for the purpose of loading themselves over others which is wrong right it's wrong okay so reading on paul said that i advanced in judaism so if it's uh, in terms of quoting quoting the old testament scriptures paul knew it all in fact there's a particular place where he would call himself the a, a pharisee of pharisees <laughs> my god paul you know we would call himself a, pha- a pharisee of pharisees so he was no ordinary uh ordinary guy you know or he would not necessarily a pharisee of a pharisee or a hebrew of hebrews <laughs> you know a, of a hebrew of hebrews someone who studied under uh, gamaliel you know if you have time again look into who gamaliel was a very res- highly highly honored and respected um, person amongst the the sect of the pharisees paul was a student of him and not just any student but a prodigy one who could be seen as uh, as as uh, one to to potentially rival gamaliel too so paul was was no ordinary man in his former religion or former conversation okay but now let's look at what happened in verse 15 again through the ministry we we focused on how this happened by the way now we're going to talk about what happened to paul but how this happened to paul was what we discussed in the last session that is through the ministry of men like stephen both in the preaching of the gospel because stephen did preach the gospel before they stoned him to death yeah of which paul was amongst the audience so he did hear he heard you know so in the preaching of the gospel and in the praying as well for those who heard and that's what Stephen also did while he was being stoned he prayed for them so he did the two important things when when uh, in in regards to ministry of of the gospel to men he preached it and he also prayed for the hearers and that and that is a mode of operation that we ought to do you know we don't only just pray for those who, uh, who the gospel is preached to, we also preach the gospel to them. In fact, there is no point preaching, praying for men who have not heard the gospel yet. Yeah, just as there is, it's 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 almost as ridiculous praying for people who you have not taught God's word yet. <laughs> it's 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 odd. It's odd. 
You teach people the word and then you pray for those who have heard the word so that the words will be rooted in their hearts and will bring forth fruit. So meaning so that they will, they will have a thorough understanding or have clarity on those words and therefore allow those words shape their conduct or their actions. Same thing applies to the gospel. You preach the gospel to men and then you pray for those men that their hearts and their minds will be yielded to the power of the gospel in changing and transforming their hearts to believe. Stephen did both. Okay, so now let's see the effect. Let's see the effect. So that's where we go to verse 15. It says, for, it says but when it pleased God. <laughs> oh my God. You know, but when it pleased God. So it pleased God to do what? When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, right, to reveal his son in me. So what he did please God to do? To reveal his son in him. Again, what did it please God to do? To reveal his son. Who is his son? Jesus. So it was God's delight. Okay. It was God's pleasure. It, it seemed pleasing to God to reveal Christ in Paul. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but that is mind-blowing. You would think that, ah, as a result of what Paul did, what will please God? is punishing Paul for the things that he did. You know, you would think that what would please God or what God would think as something that is good and well-pleasing and acceptable to him would be to deal with Paul for what he did. I'm sure that that's what would have been well-pleasing to some <laughs> to some believers today. You know, as I said in the last session, sometimes when you hear the kind of prayers being prayed, for those who oppose the gospel, my God, you, 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 you wonder, are we really believers? <laughs> are we really believers? I mean, look, look at what it says here again in verse 15. When it pleased God. So, it, it was something that brought pleasure. It was well-pleasing in God's sight. God thought it good. Right? When God thought concerning Paul, the, that which brought the light to him, that which seemed good in his sight was to reveal his son was to reveal Christ, was to reveal his salvation in him. That is phenomenal. That's phenomenal. In fact, he actually explained it. He says, when it pleased God, who did what? Who separated me from my mother's womb? Right? The word, the word separated there means to set apart. Yeah? To separate from something. So, the question is, what was it that God separated him from? Yeah? What was it that God separated him from? It says what? My mother's womb. We ask, what is his mother's womb? Again, in reading in context, he has just told us in the previous verse what his former life was all about. <clears throat> right? He has just told us that he, was, uh, he had his former conduct in Judaism, he advanced in Judaism and all of those things. So what is it that God set him apart or separate him from? So God separated him from his what? His natural lineage. God separated him from 
from his natural identity as one who was of a Jew. Okay? See, that's very important. And which shows that God is not see, God is not a respecter of person. God does not look at your nationality to determine, ah, okay, he should be saved or she should not be saved. No. Whether Jew, Greek, Gentile, African, Black, White, Asian, it does not matter your nationality. God, it, when it comes to the pleasure of God in revealing his son in men, he doesn't care about nationality. And so we also do not care about nationality when we preach the gospel to men. In fact, just as God separates men from their natural lineage, we also, in preaching the gospel to men, separate any form of bias, right? We separate any form of bias of a nationality or natural lineage in respect to the preaching of the gospel to men. In fact, one can go as far as saying that not beyond just even nationality, culture, we separate culture, we separate uh, gender uh, orientations. So you don't say, oh, uh, just because this person is gay, so I can't preach the gospel to them. No, no, no. God is no respecter for persons or no respecter of persons. God's desire is salvation. That is his primary purpose. That men be saved. So it doesn't even look, it doesn't look at, oh, what's this person's gender orientation? What's this person's nationality? What's this person's culture? God separates from that. He separates from that. So the gospel, see, the gospel has no bounds in respect to men's natural, natural, uh, <laughs> natural <laughs> identity. Okay, the gospel separates from that. The gospel separates from that. Now, men can have their own biases, you know, like for example, the Jews back then, they had that natural bias that the, the Jew ought not to interact with the Gentiles. In fact, <laughs> this the Gentiles was something was the extreme, even within those born of the same father. Jacob, the Samaritans and the Jews even found it hard to relate with each other. So he imagine how some of the disciples would have taken it when in Acts chapter 1, right? Jesus told them that, look, in Acts 1, 8, he says that ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses of me, or ye shall be my witnesses unto Judea. I'm sure when they heard Judea, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 makes sense. Mm-hmm. Judea, of course. <laughs> That's where we Jews are, you know. And then he now went further unto Samaria. Like, ah, hmm, Samaria, okay. <laughs> you know, Samaritans, we don't talk to them. And then he now says, unto the uttermost part of the world. They're like, ah, ah, Jesus. Those are the Gentile nations. Jesus said that you shall be my witnesses to basically to every part of the world. Whether Jew, whether Gentile, whether Samaritan, irrespective of their their natural inclinations in terms of nationality, in terms of sex, in terms of gender, 
the gospel is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. What he is after is the revelation of his son in men. Yeah. So we see it in Paul. He says that God, having separated me away from my mother's womb, so he separated me from my natural lineage of being a Jew, Pharisee of the Pharisee, um, my this or that. He separated me from that and did what? What did he do? And what? And called. And called me through his grace. So, remember the word and is the word Kai. And the word and is not necessarily uh, separating or distinguishing between the two statements, but is just further explaining it. So, how did God set him apart from his mother's womb? Simple, by calling him by his grace. Or by, you know, the word call means to identify by name. Yeah? Or to, to name, to son name. So what is, what is he saying? He's saying that God no separated me from that identity of my natural lineage. God separated me from the identity of uh, a, a, a Benjamin, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. God separated me from, from the, from, um, you know, from my, my slant as a Pharisee, right? Um, how did he do so? By calling me or by identifying me by his grace that is powerful that's powerful and you know <laughs> if you look in the context of these galatians right guess what he spoke about in galatians 1 chapter 3 right what did he say grace to you or grace in you yeah, and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What did he say in verse 6? I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Or who identified you. Or who named you in the grace of Christ. So Paul is saying that he himself, right, was, is, is, is an a recipient of that same grace. Yeah. He himself was identified by that same grace. He wasn't identified by works. He wasn't identified by who he was as a Jew because that's not what saves. You know, some feel if you're a Jew, you have a, a special place or something like that in salvation or redemption like that. No. No irrespective of your nationality whether jew gentile it is the same way there is no special way for you just because you are a jew to be saved no it is the same way the one way so uh, believing in god as the one who saves through the person of jesus christ being a sacrifice for our sins and being raised up from the dead that's the only way for you to be saved you are not saved partly because you're a jew no you don't have an easy way to easier way to salvation partly because you're a jew no 
you are saved because you believe the gospel. And Paul is saying that, look, the same, you know what he said in verse 6, right? The same gospel that says that God called you in the grace of Christ or God identified you in the grace of Christ is also the same gospel (laughs) that I myself too was identified in. I also was identified by his grace. The same grace that was preached to you, that you believe, that you now identify with, that separates you from your mother's womb, that separates you from being from just being a Gentile to now being a son of God. That same grace was what I was called by. Amazing. That same grace, or by his grace, I now find my identity. You know, that's that's powerful. See, we don't find our identity by by our nationality. We don't find our identity in Christ by our uh, by our works. We don't find our identity by our own abilities. Yeah, how do we find our identity? By His grace, or by the work of salvation, or by Jesus. Remember in the verse three, grace. you and peace or grace in you and peace from god our father and lord jesus christ who what who gave himself for our sins who gave himself for our sins so my identity is by his grace or my identity is seen in the sacrifice of jesus in jesus giving me his life you know, that's why in Galatians chapter 2, Paul could now say that, look, the life that I now live, I live by the face of the Son of God. <laughs> you know, Christ now lives in me. Because he is now my identity. He is now who I identi- self- identify myself by. You know, many people try to identify themselves by their own ability. And which is why when, when they see shortcomings they, or, or when they fall short, they begin to feel condemned. They begin to feel worthless. They begin to feel that uh, they, they, they are not worthy. Why? Because you are still identifying yourself with your own works. You are still identifying yourself in your own abilities. When God has already identified you, see, it is unbelief and it is pride that makes a man reject what God has identified him by. Notice, it is not even that Paul said, I I identified myself by the grace of Christ. Mm -mm. God himself did it. Yeah? God is not even you. It's not a you. (laughs) It's not a you thing. This is God's action. Not even your action. God is the one who identifies, who has called you. He has put his name and said, look, I am identifying you by my grace, not your works. Man chooses to identify himself by his works. But what do we do? We accept what God identifies us by. And if God has chosen to identify or name me by his grace, what do I do? Who am I to reject it? Yeah. I it, it is to only be to my benefit to accept the identity that God gives me. It is only smart and wise to do so. 
Why? Because God identifies me in himself. God identifies me in his work, in his perfect work of salvation. And so I find my own identity in that. Does that make sense? Very important. Very important. Very important. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to come back to Galatians 1.15. But just to re-emphasize this point, <clears throat> just to re-emphasize this point, let us look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Timothy 1.9. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. 2 Timothy. Okay, let's read from the from the verse 8 just to have a bit of context so second timothy 1 8 it says therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our lord nor of me his prisoner okay do not be ashamed of the testimony of lord nor of me his prisoner so paul um you know, was the means or was a means by which the Lord was testified. Yeah. Or we can say the means by which the gospel was testified. So you see, or oh, no of me, his prisoner. Remember, when we say his prisoner, <laughs> look beyond um, being in chains physically. Remember, in the past sessions, we, we spoke in Ephesians chapter 4 and how Paul called himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. And then we read later on where it says that when Jesus ascended up on high, he led what? Captivity captive. Or he took those who were imprisoned in sins, in death, in fear. He took them captive or he took them as his own prisoners. And then he gave gifts to men. (laughs) It is just so beautiful. Can you imagine? Jesus taking you as his prisoner to give you gifts. <laughs> so, what is the purpose of the gifts? For service, to serve. What were those gifts? Apostle, teacher, prophet, shepherd, evangelist. For the what? For the edification or for the perfection or the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So, when you see prisoner, prisoner, think service. Think equipped for service. Think I have been given the provisions of the Spirit to serve. So when he says here in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, where he says, No, of me is prisoner. Don't be thinking of chains, chains. Yes, he was in physical chains, but he was talking beyond that. What was he talking about? His service to men by the preaching of the gospel. Anyways, he says, but share, look at this, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. Share with me in the sufferings for the what? For the gospel. According to the power of God. <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. Share with me in the sufferings. The word sufferings there means in the passion of the gospel. The gospel is something we, we are passionate about. Yeah? The gospel is something we are passionate about. It's not something we we just take like a like a desically uh, or, or, or something we just take lightly and all of those things like that. No, 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 no. It requires passion. Yeah, 
it, it, it requires a, a, a zeal, right, that comes irrespective of what men will do to us. Okay? We, we identify with the gospel. Irrespective of the hardships. Yeah? Irrespective of the... <clears throat> Of the struggles and the afflictions yeah we stay with the gospel and isn't it so funny he says we share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of god so the gospel is according to god's power or god's power is seen right in the gospel hey see these you know this is something you really really just think about and you're just like wow Wow, this is amazing. It's amazing. So when we speak of God's power, you know, some people say, oh God, the all-powerful God, the all-powerful God. And when they think of God's power, it's <laughs> many of them, many people think of God's power is for God's power to destroy, for God's power to kill men and everything. No, 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 no. God's power is seen in the gospel. And what is the gospel about? Salvation. <laughs> Saving men. So the power of God is seen in the salvation of men. The power of God is not seen in killing men. Now, one say, ah, I can show you the Old Testament. Where it says God killed this, God did that. Okay. Sure. But are you really studying it in-depthly or are you studying it in the lens of Christ? You see, the Bible cannot contradict it itself. If Paul, right, will preach and teach that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Notice, he didn't say the gospel is the power of God unto destruction, <laughs> unto salvation. If Paul will tell you that the great force or the greatest working of God's power was in the raising up of Jesus from the dead. Yeah. What makes you think that that same power is for the killing of men? It makes no sense. Is it God's power is not bipolar? <laughs> it is not that God's power kills men and then makes men alive too. No. No. The gospel is God's power. The gospel is God's power. So whenever you see God's power in display, whenever you see God's power being spoken about, what should you be thinking of? Gospel. The gospel that brings salvation to men. The gospel that brings salvation to men. Anyways, that is just on the side. <laughs> that, that's not what I want to focus on today. But it says, but it says, uh, you know, share with me in the sufferings, yeah, you know, share with me in the sufferings and the afflictions, yeah, in the hardships, okay, uh, in the hardships for the gospel. So the gospel, see, in, so in the preaching of the gospel, it's not just a jolly ride, okay, in the preaching of the gospel, it's not just uh, a... <laughs> You know, everything just going smoothly. Look, men will persecute you. Men will oppose you. They, there are hardships, afflictions that come with preaching the gospel. 
it's it's unavoidable it's in there look from jesus in fact we don't even need to go from the old testament from the prophets the sufferings and the afflictions they went through in preaching yes the prophets preached the gospel by the way even though in a mystery form but they preached the gospel because the same gospel that the apostles preached and even jesus preached he got it from the writings of the prophets and moses so the preaching of the gospel brings with it afflictions the preaching of the gospel brings with it hardships and we do not we do not allow that discourage us yeah from being persistent in our preaching the gospel to men in fact that is the encouragement that Paul is giving to Timothy he's telling Timothy that look 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 see we are together <laughs> you know share with me partner with me in the afflictions in the sufferings right that comes with the gospel being preached see it is not that god is the one that brings the suffering to it is not that god is the one that brings the afflictions Mm-mm. it is men men who are not willing to submit or men who are not willing to give ye uh, give ye on who are not willing to understand or to believe the gospel they are the ones that bring that affliction they are the ones that bring the hardship not god though you know, there is a way one can be tempted to say, you know, God is the one who brings the hardships, is the one who brings the sufferings to test if you'll be faithful to the gospel. No, the men are the ones. Men are the ones who bring the hardships. Look at it, look at it all from the from Jesus and his ministry. Is it God that sent the Pharisee to to to, to bring sufferings and afflictions and to tempt Jesus? No. For Paul, for the early church, yeah, with all the persecutions, was it God that brought it? No. But rather men, wicked men, who were not willing to believe the gospel and wanted to even now prevent others from hearing that same gospel, were the ones bringing that affliction. But Paul is telling Timothy, don't let that move you. Be ready to endure it. Be ready to identify with it. If I don't let it bring you down, be bold. Be bold for the gospel. Because that gospel, <laughs> that's actually God's power. In fact, in that affliction is where God's power is even finds much more intensity. In fact, it is in that midst of affliction that God's power is more evident in the gospel. Hallelujah. Right? Yeah. And then he now goes on in verse 9. He says, Who has what saved us? Who is the who that has saved us? God. God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. So our salvation is what? Is God calling us with a holy calling? Do you see? So when Paul said in Galatians 1, that he called me by his grace. What does it mean? It means that he saved me by his grace. Right? The same word called here is the exact same word in Galatians. The exact same. If you have a concordance, you can check it. So, in our being called or in our being identified by his grace, Paul here calls it 
having been called with a holy calling is the same thing, same, same. What is that holy calling? Or what is that holy name that has been given to us? It is his grace. <laughs> it is his grace. The same thing. So he has, having identified us, or he has named us with his grace, or he has named us according to the sacrifice of his son and the resurrection of a dead of the de- uh, and the resurrection of his son from the dead in fact look at this it says not according to what our works not according to our works not according to our abilities not according to our natural in uh, uh, inclinations remember in galatians 1 having separated me away from right having separated me away from what my mother's womb my natural lineage my natural orientation my natural ability set me apart from that yeah in second uh, timothy paul says not according to our works but according to what to his own purpose and grace so what is god's purpose god's purpose is his grace <laughs> You know, what's God's purpose for your life? See, God has his own individual purpose for your life. His purpose for you is his grace. What is his grace? His grace is the sacrifice of his son Jesus for our sins and the resurrection of the dead. <laughs> that is his grace. That is God's purpose. He said, what is God's purpose? You know, that, that thing of purpose has so wrecked people. Because they feel like, ah, see, God does not have my own. God did not reveal to me my own purpose. Ah, I'm useless. I'm this. No. No. See, God's purpose is grace. And look at what he says. He says, uh, who has called us according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. So, God's purpose has already been given to you. See, look, he says, before before time began that's amazing so your purpose was already defined for you even before the beginning god's purpose has always been his grace what is his grace that he will be a sacrifice for the sins of men that he will save men by his resurrection that is his purpose and that is his grace. See, purpose and grace, that word and again is our favorite word and, Kai, which means even grace or which is grace. So God's purpose is his grace towards you, uh, my brother, my sister, wherever you're listening from. So don't be jittery about, ah, God, what's my own purpose? My purpose to only preach the gospel to India or to only preach the gospel to this? <laughs> you're wasting your time. God's purpose is his grace. That is his grace. It's his grace for you. And he has given it to you in Christ Jesus. Which means that as long as you are functioning, remember what is it about his grace? That is where it is by his grace we have been identified. So your your purpose is in identifying with his grace. So therefore, what does it mean that you are in God's purpose? It means that you are walking in the light of what God has identified you as in his grace. And how has he identified you? He has identified you as one that he died for 
and as one that he was raised up from the dead for and even much more you were there together with him and because you now you are now in his purpose you then share that same gospel you then preach that same gospel to men so that they too can identify with that purpose so god does not have different purposes for men on the earth it's there's no way you see, see look there's no way you see it in the scripture that god has a specific purpose for each person that's not true you won't see it anywhere in scripture nowhere nowhere paul is making it clear to us. see he says according to his own <laughs> see, see god's god's purpose and God's purpose is my purpose. <laughs> you know? God's purpose is my purpose. See, I mean, I, I know some people who want, I want my own personal, my own personal. Okay, your personal purpose is God's purpose. And what is his purpose? His grace that he has given to you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> that is God's purpose. It has been given. Notice, he didn't even say the purpose that he will give to you. Mm-mm. The purpose and grace which he has given yeah which was given to us in christ jesus and that purpose has been before (laughs) before time began you see that even now tells you that salvation was not an afterthought you know salvation was not uh oh my god plan b uh see now that man has sinned okay okay uh, who who will die who will die for man Uh, and who will save man from his dilemma and then Jesus, one of the Godhead, you know, as is commonly preached or taught, now says, I will die for them. I will take upon myself the wrath of their sins and all of those things like that. You see, see, such Paul will call it cunningly devised fables. Yeah. Cunningly devised fables. That's what Paul called it. God's plan has always been salvation. God's plan has always been man identifying with his grace or identifying with God's work of salvation or God's work of redemption. That has always been God's plan. It is now, will the man accept it or will the man reject it? The man accepting it, faith or belief. The man rejecting it, unbelief or disobedience. That's just what it is. That's what Adam rejected. What did Adam do by sinning? Adam rejected God identifying him in the work of salvation. Adam rejected identifying Adam rejected God identifying him by his grace. And in rejecting that, he sinned. Or he walked in unbelief. So, I'll round up here. Every believer has been called or named or identified. And notice it says with a holy calling. So, it is a special identification. It is a set apart identification. What is it that makes your calling set apart? Right? Or what is it that makes our identity set apart? It is not according to our works. See, holy calling does not mean everybody has. You know, some people 
can even twist this scripture to mean holy calling as in everybody has their own unique calling or unique ministry and that is not you don't find that in the script. i don't know how we're able to <laughs> draw such uh, conclusions he says we haven't been called with a holy calling or a, a, a an identity that has been set apart what is it that set apart our identity it is not according to our works it's in that same scripture it's not according to our works but it is according to his grace according to his own purpose so what makes your identity set apart is that there is a purpose attached to it and what is that purpose it is according to his grace which he has given in christ jesus so no believer is without purpose or better still no believer is without God's grace. <clears throat> so, what, what, see, why am I saying this? Or what's the point of teaching this? The point of teaching this is to show you that you are... <laughs> look, you can't see yourself as a nobody as a believer. You are one that has been identified by God. See, it's not even you that identified yourself. God did it. Just accept his... <laughs> accept what God has identified you to be. In fact, you already did when you believed the gospel anyways. You did. You did. You did. That's why in the beginning of the verse 9, it says the one having saved us and called us. So, if you have, <laughs> if you have believed the gospel, which means that you have been saved, it also means that you have been called or you have been identified in him. And so, therefore, see yourself in what God has identified you as. See yourself in God identifying you according to his grace. Don't identify yourself by your works. Don't identify yourself by your efforts. But see yourself as being identified in God's plan. In God's plan of salvation. In God's plan of redemption that has already been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And what should that now prompt in you? That should prompt in you an eagerness. <laughs> we are going to see it in Galatians 1, you know, verse 16, right? As to how what it as to that in God identifying Paul, right, according to his grace, right, by revealing Christ in him, that also prompted a zeal, that ignited a fire within Paul <laughs> to reveal or to bring that same revelation or to preach that same revelation to others as well. And that's what it does to you. That's God's purpose. <laughs> that's God's purpose in action. God's purpose in action is that His grace, is that you are identified by His grace, and then you in turn preach that same message unto others so that they too can identify with that same grace. And guess what? That's how the gospel prevails in all the earth. And that's how men are saved even to God's glory. I'll round up here for tonight. Thank you so, so, so much for giving me your attention. Remember, you are in God's purpose. In fact, that purpose has already been given to you. Make use of it. Accept it. And walk in the reality of it. Remain blessed. <laughs>